What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. From 50 yards out of the hold of Morstead. On the way, down the middle, with distance. Dolphins take the lead with 18 seconds. And no D lineman in the game. 11 players out there to defend whatever the Jets draw up. They quickly get it to Garrett Wilson, and now they'll look to get tricky. Back to Joe Flacco. Now Elijah Moore. Dolphins need one tackle to get to the playoffs. It's loose, and that'll do the trick. The drought is over. Losing streak is over, and the drought is over. know a thing or two, but I told you guys this shit would be worth it. Is it worth it or not? I am so proud of this group of people. It is amazing. Okay? Everybody in the building, in the football operations building, is getting a game ball. Okay? Because it is so easy to blink in a five-game losing streak, especially when you guys put it all on the line. Skyler! How about my man Jason? You guys know what you're fighting for, okay? You really do. It was evident and it was any way possible. 14,533 days have been on the earth. This is one of those that sticks out above all else. I thank you guys. We will have a victory Monday. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. And we're on, and welcome to the first victorious three yards per carry, edition of three yards per carry in, what is it, six weeks? And as always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and you get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. Of course, prize picks. Use promo code 5, F-I-V-E. If you deposit $100, it's a one-time rollover. They give you $100, which means you bet it through. They give it to you. So it's free money. Take it. F-I-V-E. 
And of course, betteredge.com. Go to betteredge.com slash five reasons and you get $25 just as a sign up bonus. All right, guys. All right, Simon. How did you experience that that, that day yesterday? Who cares about the game? Because the game was awful. It was just, you know, trying to trying to not to do something stupid and end up with more field goals than your opponent. That's what seemed like the, the game plan. Uh, but how did you experience that day yesterday? Um <clears throat> It was uh, as painful as I imagined it would be. Um, and whilst it's great, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but whilst it's great to get into the playoffs, obviously there is uh, a general sense of foreboding that I have and almost like disappointment really in a way that you just know that you're not going to be competitive in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, for want of a better word, we are closing in on getting fucked by the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Unless a, few, unless, a, unless a few people come back. I mean, you know, I think I, I think we're all here pretty realistic about the expectation level. And it, and it's, I, I just think it's disappointing that, you know, you work hard, you get into the playoffs for the first time in, since 2016. But, you know, it's unlikely that your quarterback is going to play. Maybe he does, but let's be realistic. You know, he was rusty as anything when he came back the first time against Pittsburgh. We're not exactly expecting him to step up and look like he did against Buffalo three weeks ago, four weeks ago. You know, Raheem Mostert almost certainly is going to play with a broken thumb. You know, you've got Tyreek Hill struggling. Uh, you know, Teron Armstead, you, you know, your left tackle, I'd say less likely to play than going to play. Brandon Shell looks like he's probably not going to play. Um, obviously injuries in the secondary. And it, it's just disappointing, I think, that, you know, the road to the Super Bowl for us would be go on the road, beat Buffalo, go on the road, beat Kansas City, probably go on the road and beat Cincinnati. You know, tough in itself. I mean, I don't think it gets much more difficult than that in terms of any road to the Super Bowl for, for any team in either conference, actually, because I think the AFC is much stronger than the NFC. Um, so, yes, great to get in the playoffs, but I think significantly tempered with the fact that, you know, I think we're going to get fairly badly shown up on on um on Sunday um and so well, yeah it was great to watch the game great to get in you know despite you know the fairly well we could talk about we could talk about how badly we're gonna get murdered on Thursday but you know I'll, no I'll no not... sure but you know it's that's what you, you said let's not talk about the game from yesterday so you know <laughs> this is the reality of what we're what we're facing up to and 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 the reality is that I I you know it's we can make all the wonderful isn't it amazing isn't it amazing have a cookie that we're in the playoffs, but for me, you know, you want to be competitive. And unfortunately, I think the injuries mean that we're not going to be. And that's that's the, you know, the excitement of making the playoffs is tempered with the disappointment of, you know, not being able to go up to Buffalo and w- what looks like not be able to give give them a, the game that they probably deserve. I think they're two people away from me expecting them to be competitive in that game. And we'll talk about that later on this week when we actually know something about it. Uh, Chris? <laughs> exactly. Chris, how did you take in that that day yesterday? Because it was actually kind of nerve wracking watching the the Patriots be really really tight with the Bills. And if you really take it, and if and look, I, I've argued this every single year. I see no value whatsoever in kicking off ever. Like there's no reason to. There's really no reason to kicking off whatsoever. If I show you the numbers, okay, and you look at them and and you say, wow, really, you're right, Alf. If you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown, your chances of winning are like down to like 2%, which is uh, hilarious considering that uh, week two against Baltimore, the, the game started with a kickoff return for a touchdown. 
So the Dolphins were in that 2%. So there's no value in kicking off whatsoever. I don't I don't understand it. Well, Patriots do it twice. The Bills return both of them for touchdowns. Man, you, you could argue that without those two kickoff returns, that game is right down to the wire. And oddly enough, Mac Jones was doing it with play action. And whenever he was just dropping back, the Bills were, were not rushing too many and playing a lot of zone and picking him off because he threw three interceptions while not dropping back. He was nine for nine for 100 yards and two touchdowns while using play action. So how did you experience that day, Chris? I mean, I don't know why we're paying attention to the uh, to the Bills Patriots game if we're basically like completely depressed that we're actually in the playoffs to begin with. Like, I I I think it's great that we're in the playoffs. <laughs> you know. Um, hey, look, like, my philosophy is simple. It's rare. I-, I posted it today just so just so people could just stare at it and try to take it in a little bit. The Dolphins made the playoffs for the twenty fourth time in their franchise history. The Green Bay Packers have been in the NFL for, what, 4,000 years? They've been in the playoffs 35 times. It's important. It's, you know, the Aaron Rodgers is the, you know, who who's made it, like, what is it, 14 out of 16 years? Tom Brady, who has never missed the playoffs. I think he's missed the playoffs twice in his career. You know, those things are really rare. It's rare. It, it really is. Uh, go on, Chris. Well, I mean, I'm just – I think that um, – I think that it was uh, it was a good – it, it, it depends on what you think is a good game. I mean, everybody wants to see a barn burner with the offense, with the offense throwing the ball over the field and, and, you know, scoring points. And of course we want to see that. Um, but, you know, there, there have been games where the other team is scoring and we're scoring and the other team is scoring and we're scoring. And, and those were satisfying games, but, you know, then you have a game that ends up where, the defense has really played very well and um and they uh and and you 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 eat that one out i think that um i think there was a lot of there's a lot of redemption here for a lot of different aspects of the team in this one game uh and that's what i thought was probably the most interesting the biggest story of the game really uh aside from the fact that winning the game got the dolphins in the playoffs which is a very big deal um but uh, I think that uh, if you look at, you know, there's a large storyline happening during the game and well-deserved at, at this point that Mike McDaniel had yet to win a challenge all year. Um, yeah. He finally won a challenge and he made it count. You know, uh, he, I, I think that all year long and right away, I think in the first, uh, the first quarter there's, or the first drive of the game, really, there's uh there's a, there's a fourth down situation, fourth and five. Um, toward midfield, and uh, I think I think when when he decided to go for it, even though we have established to that point no offensive success under quarterback Skylar Thompson, you're you're kind of rolling your eyes a little bit, like you know, oh god, here we go again. Um, and uh, and then and then what happens on the next, you know, and of course they didn't get it, but then what happens on the next two times they're faced with that situation again, one they get it by uh, calling a, a very ballsy, but effective run play. Right. Um, and, uh, and which is very, which is very unlike Mike McDaniel in a number of ways, you know, uh, because uh, there's the, been the big, 
criticism of him uh, being unwilling to run the ball in, uh, in short yardage situations. And here we go with a fourth and fourth and four or fourth and five, and he's, he's running the ball and, uh, and they get it. Um, and then the next time, uh, you know, what? he punted, <laughs> which is, which is quite amazing really. Um, and, and I think that, uh, I think that that was, you know, for all the, for all the crap that he's been given rightfully so, uh, all year long for kind of going for it in some bad situations. Um, you know, that I think that, I think that that was sort of a, a 180 happening. Uh, he stuck with the run the entire game as much as we criticized him for just, you know, going pass, pass, pass. Uh, there were, there were some down and distance tendencies that he, uh, outright defied, um, and, in his own play calling past. Um, and, and I think that, that oh, he'll, would... he'll never, he'll never run second and eight, second and 10. That like, that's well, I mean, that's, that, it did actually happen. It <laughs> did actually happen. Yes. Yesterday. So, um, so I think that, uh, I think that there was, you know, he turned that around uh, 180 degrees in some ways. Um, I think that Mike Gesicki, as much as we've, uh, we've really, you know, criticized him and he's been totally absent and he doesn't fit the offense and, and all that. Um, he makes some big plays uh, all of a sudden. In fact, he even made a play with, uh, with some run after catch uh, or he actually even had some run after catch on one play, um, which was surprising. It, it didn't look, it didn't look like it was important, but it was like, Oh, well, Oh, finally, here you go. Yeah, he actually um, broke a tackle and gained four yeah. yards off of it. It might be his second tackle broken in his entire NFL career. I don't know, but like you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, and he had a big he had a big day. I know people are oh, he only had like forty some odd yards or something like that. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you had a quarterback, a seventh round rookie who was you know, what do you have like a hundred yards on the day or something like that. I mean. Not exactly, not exactly killing it, but um, but I think that uh, I think that um, he did have a pretty big day uh, for for him, which was nice because he's been much maligned all year uh, for good reason. And all of these things have been have been subject to criticism for very good reason all year long. Josh Boyer, all year, what are we what are we been talking about? I'm doing entire Twitter threads about how he's blitzing too much, right? The Dolphins. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins' defense, surprisingly, when when defenses do not blitz, you know, on non-blitz plays through through the year, um, the the Dolphins' defense has like the sixth best, you know, not allowing uh, sixth best at not allowing first downs, you know, um, on when they're not blitzing, and yet when they are blitzing, they allow the worst passer rating in the league, and you know, all these these terrible stats. We're talking about this. Well, what happens? in the game well uh joe we're facing joe flacco and uh josh boyer does what josh boyer does um and he called blitzes on 20 out of 33 plays and uh and joe flacco had a 50 passer rating during the blitzes you know he had a 91 passer rating on when they didn't blitz him. you know so so here's josh boyer just defying us all and uh and saying and giving us the finger and and it working <laughs> you know and um and so i think that he he kind of turned that around and then nobody turned it around more than jason sanders um booting the ball through in, into the end zone pretty much every every kickoff and um and then uh and then making the big making the big kick in the final seconds you know uh, and, and it 
wasn't an easy kick either. You know, they didn't make that easy. I was, I was kind of pissed off at Jeff, Jeff Wilson on that third and three, because, uh, you know, instead of following his blockers and, and trying to get some, some positive yards, maybe even uh, converting the first down, uh, he cut right back straight into an, into the unblocked man, into the, the unaccounted for uh, man on the defense. And, um, and, you know, was met in the hole for a loss and made that kick even harder. And I'm sure every single one of us was just positive Jason Sanders was going to miss that kick. Um, From 50, and then, yeah. and then he, and then he nails it. He, I mean, he nailed it straight through the upright. And, and if you're fair to him, you know, he nailed his kicks prior to that and he was booting them into the end zone too. So he was, so he had a good day. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that we've been tearing to pieces for most of the year. And so I thought that it was just really interesting that the elements of the team that led the team into the playoffs were exactly the elements of the team that had been letting us down or had been perceived to be letting us down uh, for a lot of the year. And, um, and I thought that that was, um, you know, that's a good storyline. Um, I don't know if we can take anything promising from it because, you know, I don't uh, – but hey, you know, this is a streaky style of defense under Josh Boyer and uh, and Brian Flores before him. Um, you know, as seen last year, they had seven games of just being absolutely awful and then nine games would be, wow, that's that's the best defense in the league, you know, uh, or something along those lines. So, um, so you know, it'd be a hell of a convenient timing if the defense found its footing all of a sudden one week before they entered the playoffs. Uh, but either way, you know, it, it was it was interesting to see, you know, parts of the team that had struggled and, and that had not been that had not been good and had been letting us down. And they stepped up and led us into this playoff, into this playoff berth, uh, whereas the parts of the team that had been, you know, a strength for us, including those wide receivers, including Tyreek Hill and, uh, and Jalen Waddle, um, kind of not. <laughs> you know, uh, they're they're kind of not there. I mean, you can blame that on Skylar Thompson. I'm sure we will, but um, that, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that it was it was fascinating, at least in that respect. Yeah, and those uh, those two runs you mentioned, one the 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 fourth and five with uh, with Jeff Wilson on the toss on the little toss pitch, that was just genius play calling because they had they have a they had River Craycraft in the in the slot, and if that were Trent Sherfield, I'm pretty certain they would have keyed on him. But since it was River Craycraft, they played off, and since they played off, it allowed Craycraft to get the crack back on the on the on the end, which cleared the way for Jeff Wilson to get the first down. Brilliant play call, just by using the personnel. And the other one, yeah, I agree with you. Jeff Wilson needed the key off of that that block by angle. He needed to go to the outside for whatever reason. He decides he wants to cut inside, and he gets smashed for it. Simon, I just noticed you you put up your your first team and second team offense. Would it surprise you that? We have identical all-pro first-team offenses. Oh, really? Yeah, I put it up. My uh, if you could go, you could go look for my first-team offense that I posted this morning on three yards per carry. It's on there. We have identical first-team offenses. I didn't yeah. put a second team. So yeah, and, and in case anybody's wondering, uh, Mahomes, Jacobs, Jefferson, and Hill, Kelsey, Trent Williams, Betonio. Jason Kelsey, who, who I don't know how the hell he does it. He does it, you know, with uh, he's he's put together with crazy glue and and band aids and and saran wrap. 
but he's still great. Zach Martin and Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson, by the way, who completed the season for his third consecutive year without giving up a sack. How is that for a stat? Uh, all right, Simon, uh, before we go to break and we talk about, you know, some of the players overall, uh, what did you find anything encouraging from from that game yesterday, at least going forward for the future, or, or it's just a one-off? Because I, I found one thing really encouraging, and I don't know if, if you would agree with me or not. I think that that, that front – Four, like that's a sta- that's a thing that's a staple going forward, and they're going to be able to pay them, uh, by the way, because they don't have to pay a couple of them for a little while. Oh no, they were definitely encouraging things. And look, don't don't get me wrong; it's great to make the playoffs. It's not, you know, I, 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 I my enthusiasm and excitement is tempered by what I said earlier. But I thought there were definitely things to be excited about. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily sold that. The top one on my list would be the coach winning his first challenge of the season in week eighteen after going zero and six or whatever. But I would, um, I would absolutely say that I thought defensively they played well. I think your point is apposite about the the front four. Um, and looking at the win rates that ESPN posted today, you got two of the top seven players with Chubb fifth and and Phillips seventh. I thought Christian Wilkins just continues on a, you know, you, you're looking at what fourth, fifth, sixth best defensive tackle in the league. You know, um, mm, that's, that's right. not a a bad thing. I, I think I thought Jerome Baker played well. I thought the secondary held up generally pretty well. Um, and look, you know, and, and nobody's hated on Jason Sanders more than you, Alf. <laughs> so <laughs> it was God. definitely, it was definitely redemption. And I think Chris's point is absolutely spot on. You know, I, I'm not sure any of us necessarily sat there and thought he was going to boom that 50 yarder, but you know, it was a great kick and it, you know, and he didn't become a bad kicker overnight. You know, he was the all pro kicker for a reason two years ago, three years ago. And it was a nice redemption. Um, so, yeah, look, I thought defensively they were solid. They got off the field at the right moments. Yes, they were only playing, you know, let's be honest, they're playing a pretty poor Jets team. You know, Joe Flacco, a quarterback, you know, um, Bam Knight at running back, an undrafted free agent, got three of their best five offensive linemen are out. A fourth is kind of held together by, you know, wire, Um and really, Garrett Wilson was the only threat. But, you know, they still got off the field in critical moments. I thought Howard played well against Wilson generally. Um, so, yeah, there were certainly things to be encouraged by. Oh, the run game looked good. Um, I, I suppose the concern is, you know, go up to Buffalo. Can you re- can that passing game that's sort of fallen apart the last few weeks since Tua went down, can you reinvigorate that if he's not available to play? So, but yeah, lots of good things to, to be excited about. And look, it's the playoffs. Who knows what might happen? Um you know, and if, like you say, if we get some players back, who knows? I think it's unlikely, but who knows? But yeah, lots of encouraging things. You make the playoffs. I think it ends the con. I think for me, the most important thing actually is ending the conversation around what will happen with Mike McDaniel. You know, mm-hmm. you think lose and he could get fired. There's no way they're going to fire a, you know, it would have been ludicrous regardless. And as, as a number of different people following, you know, good people that we follow who support and are kind of connected to other teams would have said, you know, McDaniel would have been hired within 48 hours for one of the opening jobs in the, you know, in the um, elsewhere in the NFL, whether that was Denver or Houston or whatever there was, you know, it would have been ludicrous, but you could have, I don't think any of us could have ruled out the fact that, you know, Steve Ross might have taken a swing for the fences with, with, with Jim Harbour, knowing the connection between the two um, and, you know, blown the whole thing up, giving him GM powers as well. But, you know, I think, 
for me, the most important thing was the win ended the McDaniel's leaving nonsense that we've had over the last few weeks. So ultimately, that's a good thing because I, I overall, I think he's been an excellent first year head coach. Yeah, and we still uh, we still await the you know the the smoke to come out of the you know uh, of the of the 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 chimney like like it comes out in the Vatican in New York because Robert Sala is meeting with the new owner who is the same as the old owner because he's returning from a stint as an ambassador. So that's yet to be determined because they actually completed their collapse. They lost six in a row to go from seven and four to seven and ten. And it is New York, New York. Uh, like if we freak out in three years, New York freaks out in two. So, you know, it's an accelerated timeline over there. All right, I, I think go- all signs, all signs are pointing really to to him being kept, and not only him being kept, but, but you know, yeah, Zach Wilson maybe, is getting a shot too. Well, no, but may, not only him being kept, but maybe uh, maybe keeping uh, Mike Lafleur as well. Uh, really? There's, yeah, there's there's like uh, there's there's been some some talk that. <laughs> I mean, Robert, essentially, I think Joe Douglas um, recently said that, you know, the the owner has uh, is given a, you know, a, a vote of confidence in, uh, in Robert Saleh and the decision about uh, Michael LaFleur is going to be completely in his hands. Um, and our, and so Saleh is, is engaged in sort of a, um, uh, a final a final year, you know, postseason analysis to see the uh, LaFleur's fate and LaFleur by the way you know is so close with Mike McDaniel that you, you could see him finding some sort of room for him on the staff but um but yeah I mean I think I think I think they're keeping Sally and um and possibly even LaFleur so we might not be able to you know get anybody out of there yeah and that's that's going to be a conversation for the offseason but you know we shall see all right we're going to go to break when we come back we're going to talk about some of these players individually But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to eleven grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And we're back. It's I think it's kind of easy to, you know, to, to talk about game balls for this game and the stars of the game. And it's going to be that defense that, you know, they, they were really they, they were who, who 
we knew before the game. Look, don't turn it over. The Jets have a good defense. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna push the ball down the field unless you really set up a shot play, which they they really never did. They, they set up one, and then it was underthrown, and and Mike Kosicki came out of nowhere to to nab it in the air. But you know, I think we we begin to to have an idea on some of these guys because the sample sizes have gotten larger. So I'll start on because this is kind of you know we're ending the season right here and we're moving on to the the postseason on our next show. But I'll start with you, Simon, and we're gonna start on the offensive line. Uh, you know, Austin Jackson is essentially on a pain on mind list. He's he's been on the IR twice this year. I believe he has less than than eighty snaps played for the season. So, you know, I don't think he he's very much in their plans going forward. But Eichenberg seems to to come back. What have you seen from Eichenberg in year two that you can project as far as for year three? I mean, not a great deal. I, I okay. think he's been really average since he's come back from the injury. I actually thought he played all right earlier in the season. A couple of games, he looked like he was picking it up. But, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think you look at, uh, you know, and the three of us have talked about this ad infinitum, really, in terms of the inability to find offensive linemen in the draft, um, whether that's Eichenberg. I think Rob Hunt's the kind of the, the uh, exception to the rule. But you look at um, you look at Eichenberg, you look at Jackson. I, I just think it's been um, a real issue, uh, and I, I just can't see us moving forward with either. Really, I think Eichenberg mm. will probably be on the roster. I, I don't think Jackson makes the team. I don't think you know. You look at that twenty twenty first round. I don't think Igben Ogane makes the team either. Um, so I think you'll be looking at two of the three being absolute busts. Um, but no, I mean, I don't. I think Colin Williams has been outstanding. I think it was brilliant again yesterday. Um, except for that, uh, that, 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 that snap, say, that, except for the snap. Yeah, I, I almost had a heart attack uh, on yeah. that one, Jesus. But, um, but generally, I think he's been outstanding. I thought Rob Hunt played really well. I thought he played well when he moved to right tackle, and I'd play him there. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, um, if a shell is out at the weekend, um, but, which yeah, seems likely, I, by the way, that's something yeah. that we can absolutely say. You know that. Yeah. I think it's um, it's highly unlikely he's knee and high ankle sprain, so I think that's unlikely that he plays. But yeah, I'd play Rob Hunt at right tackle, um, and, and potentially Eichenberg will play anyway because of just the the fact that we're. I mean, you know, if if Armstead can't go, you really hope that Kendall Lamb can play at left tackle because I was encouraged by what he did against New England, um, uh, less so with Greg Little uh, yesterday. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, to me, Eichenberg is unfortunately because I really thought. I thought he could play tackle, um, and I thought he'd be a really good guard. And, and disappointingly, given everything that he put on film at Notre Dame, he's been neither. Mm. And yeah, moving on and uh, off of Eichenberg, although I'll ask Chris the same question. Uh, Robert Jones, do you agree with me? That's good depth. Like that guy can come in in a pinch and play left guard or right guard. I, I kind of feel good every time. Every time he's going to come into a game, I, I'm not that I'm you know happy that he's coming into the game because I don't think he's a starter level guard, but I think he's good depth. I think that's a guy that, that could stick around. You agree? Uh, he'll stick around. I don't know if I feel good. But I, I think uh, actually he's, you know, he's decent. We've seen this, uh, um, especially at the quarterback spot where these guys come in in the middle of the game and they struggle, but if they start the game, they might do better. 
Um, he might be kind of the opposite. He seems he seems to come in during a game and and do all right. Um, maybe maybe some fresh legs have something to do with it um, when he when he does come in in relief. But um, I mean, I don't feel good. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel good about uh, Eichenberg either. I mean, I think that mm. he started to play okay uh, before he got injured for only a bare hand, you know, a couple of games, maybe a pair of games or something like that. Um, but it was, it wasn't any, it still wasn't anything to write home about. And now he's, now he's clearly, you know, now he's clearly back in the, you know, for, forgive my language, now he's back in the shitter. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's, uh, you know, I don't know how healthy he is or how, um, how, you know, in, in the groove he is right now. Uh, so it might not be fair. But uh, by next year, if if you're looking at Robert Hunt being moved out to right tackle just because options are not strong um, at that position, um, then you're gonna you're gonna look at the Dolphins trying to get a whole new set of guards and trying to replace Liam Eikenberg. That's not going to be a um, you know he he might stick around. It might be sort of like a Michael Dieter and Dieter situation. Um, but yeah, at this point, at this point, it's, it's hard to have any confidence in him whatsoever. And as for Robert Jones, you know, yeah, he might be depth, but he also might be outplayed by somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so when you, when you get a young person and this is the thing about get about depth in the NFL, there's, there's very few, or there, there aren't very many players that are, um, career depth. You know that mm -hmm. that that they're this is this is what they are. This is what they're always going to be. Their their depth and and that's it. Um, the NFL is developing guys with the hope that they're going to be starters. And if you're um, if you're Robert Jones and and you get labeled with the you know yeah he's he's ideal career depth or something like that. Well, that's that's one foot out the door really. Um, so I think that especially at a, as a right guard. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sing anybody's praises there, um, on the, uh, among uh, the guard spots, but I am thinking that with a week of practice, if Robert Hunt is forced to play a right, a right tackle again, and Teron Armstead comes back, it will be interesting because it'll be the best tackle tandem that the Dolphins have fielded all year. And, and probably not by a, a small margin, you know, um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that equates to different offense, uh, you know, uh, different offense on the field, whether it be a pass protection or, or in the run game. I do think that Robert Hunt had a lot of value at right guard in the run game and the run game was what helped us, you know, really stay strong in this game um, yesterday. But uh, he could also make some impact at right tackle that way too, and uh, and and give us like a, a few a few different capabilities. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to seeing if there's an increase in pass protection, particularly if Teron Armstead is able to play, um, because there continue to be pass protection issues. Uh, you know, even though Skylar Thompson he, he had issues executing and holding on to the ball too long, and, and I, uh, frankly, the sooner we can get somebody else other than him in the game, the better. Um, but you know, in the meantime, he didn't necessarily have great help up front from a lot of players. 
participated in pass pro. So, um, so, you know, if we get, if we get him out there again, or we get Teddy Bridgewater out there again, having Teron Armstead and Robert Hunt as the two, as the two tackles could be, could be an impact um, move. Uh, and particularly if the miracle happens and Tua does come back and, uh, and, and play in this Buffalo game, um, then that would be, that would be a huge, uh, a huge boom. All right, and we're going to have plenty of time in the offseason to talk about every single position group, but I'm talking about the ones that kind of had an impact here down the stretch, and no other unit had more issues with it than than the defensive backs. It was an absolute mess. By the way, Simon, I'm looking at your your all pros on defense, and we're remarkably similar once again. (laughs) Okay, Although you like Sauce Gardner more than I do. I like Tyreek Woolen a, a little bit better. But we're we're almost right there. We're almost seeing eye to eye on our all pros on both sides of the ball. Although I, I managed to sneak Christian Wilkins in because you can't have the most tackles in the history of the sport as a defensive lineman and not be an all pro, <laughs> you know, and especially I when mean, most of his tackles are within two yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, I just can't see how you put him in over Jones or Simmons or uh, Dexter Lawrence. But, you know, well, I had a, three. I put I put three interior linemen on mine. <laughs> OK. You know, and I and I also put I put two ends and I put two edges. So I forgot to put Matt Milano in, which is uh, which is quite annoying because he yeah should be. he didn't make mine in, but you know it, he he should have probably been. But you know I, I, you know there's so many good players. I only kept three linebackers on my on my team. Uh, you could get all of that on the, the three yards per carry Twitter account. You could look at my all pro teams and Simon's all pros teams. Uh, I don't think Chris Coffin will do an all pro team. You're not right. You're not doing a no, no, I'll lay off on this one. <laughs> All right. Uh, by the way, I did. Uh, as far as def- uh, defensive rookie of the year, obviously you got Sauce Gardner, right, Simon? I'm going to get back to so. the Dolphins here. Man, you know what? I gave it to. He was great. So was Rick Willen. I, I gave it to Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. His numbers this year are ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. He, yeah. No. He. I thought he played really well. Played really well last night. A couple of sacks again last night. So um, Kirby Joseph as well. Yeah. Do you know that, that Aiden Aiden Hutchinson has three interceptions and seven PBUs? Uh, <laughs> He's a yeah, ridiculous athlete. What it's, a player. Uh, it's one of the it's one of the odd novelties of the season, the fact that uh, that he's done that. But he I, I mean oh well, was like player, obviously, but uh, that's weird. Yeah, he's better than I thought he was gonna be. I thought he was gonna be okay, you know, but nah, he belongs in that group. Of, of you, know who, you know who nearly got an interception though and I, I don't know how many people noticed it in the game but um there there was a there was a pass that that uh Jalen Phillips peeled off for and yes. and he was and he was hunting mm-hmm. and he was hunting for exactly the right thing and the ball just barely squeaked by him yes. and uh, I mean I was like if if he would have and it was at a really important moment. Of course, in, in this game, anything like that, that sort of play would have been extremely important to the – probably would have won the game, you know. Um, and, uh, and boy, that was – I was I was, uh, I was was surprised by that one. I, I thought that, you know, we're, we're talking about players in the game. I, he had one of the – he had the finest game that I've ever seen him have in a Miami Dolphins uniform. And, um, and it, I mean, it was, it was just a phenomenal overall game. Uh, you know, it stacks up next to some of our our favorite players over the years, games that they've had. Uh, you know, he he was he was unbelievable. Yeah, and and I completely agree. And another guy, and we're gonna we're gonna be able to talk about this in the offseason again. But man, if they don't re-sign Andrew Van Ginkel on, you know, I don't think he's gonna be expensive. He's depth. If you don't re-sign him, you're, you're just dumb. 
you you need guys like that. That guy was playing like a madman out there in that game. He was running. He, he was covering so much ground. Plays with so much effort. Like, you need that guy on your team. But we were talking about the defensive backs, and, you know, you got to think that Brandon Jones is going to be back. So, you know, you're not particularly worried about the safeties per se, because you know you might be able to to, to sign a guy, and there's always there's always a, a safety that shakes loose for a couple of million dollars that could that could you know that could hold down the fort for a little while. You know that's how they found Eric Rowe, but you know two guys, Cater Kohu seems to he had, by the way he had a monster game in this game. He allowed negative thirteen yards receiving in this game on five targets with one catch. Okay. Cater Kohu was great, but he gave up that pass interference again. The guy that I want to talk about is Xavier Howard because he showed up in the last five minutes of the game. But this is easily his worst season as a pro. And if his name was Joe Smith, we'd be talking about replacing him immediately, especially for what he makes. Simon, do you think it's it's we're nearing the end on Xavier Howard or are you going to give him excuses for his injuries this year? I mean, the injuries have got to, you, you, you can't play on two bad groins, uh, you know, and expect to be at the level that he's played at for the last six or seven years. So, you know, I think that the issue is, it has always been niggling injuries. Mm. So it just really depends on how he recovers and obviously getting towards the age that he is. Mm. You know, you're not seeing, as we often talk about, and Chris is obviously a proponent of in terms of, you know, corners of an age hit a wall at a certain point mm. um, and tend to fall off that cliff. And, you know, he is what, he, you know, he'll be 30 by the time he plays or start of next season, he'll be 30 in July. So, you know, th- that is not a good age for a, for a corner. Um, and you're not expecting him to, to suddenly get back to being an all pro. Um, so we shall see. I mean, you know, he's one year into a five year, what, $50 million dollar, or at least fifty millions and fifty million in new money contract. So, you know that's the that is the elephant in the defensive backfield as we move yeah. into next season. Yeah, especially for for next season. Like you know, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to to try to you know pawn them off to somebody next season because teams are gonna look at us suspiciously after we give them that new money. Uh, Chris, you hold out hope that there could be a return next season. I wouldn't say that I've given up hope completely on Xavier Howard, although, you know, as Simon alluded to, it's um, it, there is there is some history there with the age that he's approaching. He's, he's 29 and a half years old right now. He's going to be 30 by the time, you know, he's suiting up next year. Um, and I think that, you know, if you look at if you look at our own guy, history of guys like Sam Madison, Pat Sertan, there, you know, there's some there's some history there as far as that that age being a drop-off some dude and some dudes of course play forever like daryl green i think he was still running a four you know i think daryl green was still running a four three when he was like 40 years old or something like that or something yeah like that. um but yeah I, I think there's bad history there but also the things that give me pause is that this season reminds me a lot of the season that he was having in 2019 before he uh he went on IR for the rest of the year. That was the tank year. There was a lot of uh, turmoil in the secondary in particular. I think there's turmoil in the secondary this year. You have, um, you know, the guys that he's used to seeing out there like uh, Brandon Jones and, uh, and 
Uh, Nick Needham and Byron Jones are just not there. I think that the secondary depends on a lot of communication. So there's communication uh, issues there. Um, it, it reminds me of that, that season that he had in 20, that he was having in 2019 and uh, what he, what he do when he came back, you know, he came back healthy the next year and just had probably his best year as a pro and uh, had a, had a really ridiculous, ridiculously good season as in 2020. So, so part of me wants to say, well, you know, maybe maybe you bring him back and see um, and see what else you can do with the rest of the secondary because it's no, there's no doubt about it. They're putting him in the in you know as um, old defensive coordinator Paul Pasqualoni would say, uh, he would you know some guys would have the sombrero on them and uh, and I think that the sombrero has been on him uh, the entire year as far as the position that they're putting him in. Um, and the coverage that they're putting him in. So, uh, you know, to, to be in that position, to not have good um, good players, uh, you know, uh, with you in the secondary, to have bad communication at times, and then to have two bad groins. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for exactly the kind of season that he had. So on the one hand, we've got the theory that he's having this kind of season just because he's old. On the other hand, we have, you know, you have a competing theory that um, that it could be these other factors. And so maybe that's worth seeing in, in 2023, whether, which one which one we're coming down on. Um, but in, in the meantime, you know, you would be taking a chance because those, you know, the, the, the little in- injuries that he's having this year uh, aren't necessarily more likely to clear up. In, uh, in uh, as he becomes thirty years old and such, and um, and so he might still just be facing that kind of that kind of little uh, injuries uh, all over the place next year as well. But um, but I think it's worth a chance uh, to go ahead and see um, what the problem was and and how he might play a little differently next year. Um, but to me, it's not looking good, uh, and so we'll we'll see overall what the what the strategy has to be. Yeah, and one thing I will say is this: this was a terrible season. If you if you believe in the numbers that I that I seem to care about, and you know, which kind of, in my opinion, I think it kind of dictates, you know, the kind of season that a cornerback has because I understand that they're counting stats because I like to look at targets, I like to look at yards per target, I like to look at the passer rating against. He was absolutely god awful this year except for a few games. And if you look them up, you you start to realize, wait a minute, like how was he capable of playing against Stefan Diggs good twice? How is he capable of making a few plays against Garrett Wilson in the second half? How is he capable of playing well in certain spots? And then he's an absolute disaster in, in others. Is it as simple as maybe we're, maybe his injury was, was a real cause for concern this year for him and for his play. And we're just catching him when he's kind of healing up and he's playing well after he's healed up a little bit. And then he's getting re-injured and playing poorly again. And maybe we're completely overreacting. Well, is that a possibility? But it could be, but it's also, I mean, it's also the positions that they're putting him in, you know, the, the, the positions that they're putting him in week after week. I mean, when you're the guy, when when you're being put in a position that he's being put in where it's just basically the idea is our guy is better than your guy. Uh, and we dare you to prove different. Uh, and, you know, our best guy is better than your best guy, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going to have, it's sort of like, you know, remember when, when, uh, what's his name? Byron Jones went out a long time ago, Noah Igbenogany's first uh, season as a pro and Noah Igbenogany's out there getting dragged by, uh, Stefan Diggs for four seconds, you know, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. around the field uh, and having to cover everywhere. Right. And, um, and I think that, uh, Xavier Howard is, in, is regularly put in similar positions. So he's, he's given the highest degree of difficulty. Um, and, and I think that when that happens, you know, the other guy starts to win some, you know, starts to win some and make impacts when he's the guy that is injured and that he's the guy that, you know, the, the secondary around him, uh, there's communication issues because there's newness there. You know, he's not, he's not surrounded by familiar faces. You know, one of the biggest, uh, one of the, the, uh, biggest players in that secondary right now is Cater Kobu, a rookie, you know, an undrafted rookie from Texas Commerce, you know, and, and I know that he's talented. He's a very talented player, and we've seen that potential, um, but, you know, how much how much is he doing out there that that you absolutely know that he, he's, he's, on his, uh, he's on his stuff, you know, as far as communication and, and being in the right spot, uh, spot and those kinds of things. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, it could, it could be that stuff. It could be, uh, but it also could be that he's, he's nearing 30 years old and that's, that's where corners start to go. You, you wonder if we do make a defensive transition in the style Mm -hmm. of defense, um, are we pushing our luck by having him try and, and convert to a new style of defense or are we quickening him for a few more years? By, by making things a little bit easier on him. I mean, they make those plays at the end of the game against Garrett Wilson. You have to look at the coverage, though. Yeah. You know, it, they put him in a better spot. You know, yes. the, the situation, I should say, put him in a better spot. And, uh, and and then all of a sudden he comes up with a big place. You know, so, so maybe that's a preview of the sorts of things that we're looking at going forward uh, with him you know, in order to lighten up his, lighten up his, uh, his workload a little bit and, um, and, and give him, uh, some more longevity as far as, uh, how effective he could be as a corner. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if you start seeing him in more and more cloud coverage, maybe you see those interceptions start to return and, you know, you're not counting on him to be, you know, trailing somebody the entire way, trying to shut somebody down in man, which is, Meg, Meg coverage, man, you know, man, everywhere he goes coverage is that's (laughs) at his age with bad groins. Yeah. uh, That ship, that ship probably sailed. This is not Deion Sanders. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and not only, it's not only his, his injuries and and age there, but you know, when you play in man, everywhere you go, there, there has to be a lot of communication because um, when you're seeing a lot, when the offenses are seeing a lot of man, then they're just going to, they're going to do lots of man beaters and, and try and pick you off and, you know, interfere with your, your ability to play man everywhere you go. And, um, and so, you know, that's where, that's why I keep bringing up the second, the turmoil in the secondary and how communication could be playing uh, a part in this as well. Um, So, you know, we'll just have to see, Uh, but they're, they're definitely going to have to have a rethink, a solid rethink in that secondary this off season. Uh, as well as probably in the coaching style, the defensive style. All right. That's it. 
later on this week, we're going to have more more content on this because it's it's playoff week. And we'll know more on Wednesday because the, the pressure came out. Um, and McDaniel basically said, uh, get back to me on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, which is either good news or bad news, depending on how you look at it or how you want to look at it. Uh, we do know Raheem Mostert had surgery on his thumb. And uh, Chris and I have been debating whether he should play or not. I think he should just amputate the fucking thing and play on Sunday. That's what well, I, you know, I think I think that if he has if we put a satchel around him, like yes. a cross body satchel, the uh-huh. quarterback can just shove the football inside of it, you know, yeah. and and then carry it. And that's well, that that'd be the ideal thing. No, he, there's there's absolutely no way he's going to play after just having surgery. There's there, there cannot possibly I'd be surprised if I saw him for the rest. We saw him for the rest. You know, if some miracle happens uh-huh. and, and we're in the divisional round. I'd still be surprised if we saw him, but, um, but in the meantime, with Tua, I will say this about Tua's today there today was an easy opportunity for Mike McDaniel to get up in front of that podium and just say, you know, nah, this Tua is, Tua is not coming this week. Yeah. Um, you know, like, cause, cause this is a guy that has a history of making that decision at the quarterback, um, position early in the week and not messing around and not necessarily playing games at that position at that position and um and and he got up there and he was just he you know it, it was not that it was not that it was you know we got we got to see on wednesday and then there's there's talk about you know which stage of the protocol that he's in is he in stage two or stage two or stage three uh if he's in you know stage three then he could be essentially practicing full by Wednesday or something like that, you know, uh, um, if, if everything goes well from here on, which is a big if, but, um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's interesting that he punted on that opportunity to just me because, Hey, twice he suited up Teddy Bridgewater suited him up for the game while injured as the backup to Skylar Thompson and decla- and had declared Skylar Thompson, the quarterback, early in the week right Mm -hmm. both of those were opportunities if he was inclined to play games with the opposing side and say you know hey i want you to prepare for as many quarterbacks as you can um both of those were perfect opportunities to do that because teddy bridgewater did actually play you know (laughs) like or he did actually right um so so you could have you could have been playing games with them and and made them prepare for both skylar thompson and teddy bridgewater but he's not he's not Mike McDaniel does not appear to be that kind of coach with the quarterback position. He wants the certitude. And um, and I think that uh, I think that today, by not just outright saying, which I I, I more than 50 percent expected him to just ju- jump up there and be like, nah, two is not going this week today, you know, mm-hmm. and he didn't do that. So I thought that that was interesting. Um, still, the odds are he's not going to play this weekend, but. Uh, there's a chance. <laughs> there's there's a fighting chance now, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, and, and we shall see. We'll know more by by Wednesday. Wednesday, you see him on the field with a red jersey on. Uh, you know, you could start drawing your conclusions because that's the way it worked last time. Uh, one thing that uh, back to to Raheem Mostert. One thing that um, that Troy Stratford said uh, on with with Dono today on the extra yard, and you could get that show by the way on our feed. That he said, which was completely interesting. It was, it was, it was very, very telling. And, and I talked about this on OnlyFans as well. By the way, you could get on there for three dollars a month. Is if Raheem Mostert had not broken his dominant hand, running backs today don't give a crap about run etiquette anymore. 
uh, you know, they carry it in the wrong hand all the time. Yeah. Had he not broken his dominant hand, but that's the, that's the problem. He broke his dominant thumb because I'm pretty certain he's right-handed, right? So yeah. he broke his right thumb. That is his dominant hand. Had he broken his left thumb, he could have just carried the football in his right hand the entire game. Like, you know, but now asking him to carry the football in his left hand the entire game, which is not his dominant hand, is probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? yeah, especially the way that he's been trying. He's been running. He's been running very uh, physically lately. He's been, you know, he's using a lot of stiff arm. He's using what, you know, um, I think that uh, you, I if a guy goes under the knife to me, then he's shut down for at least at least probably two weeks, you know, at least to me. But eh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll talk about it later on this week. All right. That's it. There is no more. We will talk to you later this week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.